Well, hello. This is episode 261, where we're chatting about basically everything under the keto sun, including how to deal with weight gain after eating keto, how to support your metabolism if that is a concern for you, how to support your family while also balancing your health. That is one of the most challenging things, right? How to support your cholesterol and what supplements to go on if you're concerned about cholesterol, what to look for in your blood work, including cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL, LDL, how it all works together, liver support, blood sugar balance. Basically, if you're a keto woman, have a feeling at least one thing that Dr. Nina Lewis-Larsen, our amazing guest today, is talking about will answer one of your questions. And today is a very special treat because we're sharing one of our VIP coaching calls that we post in our Happy Keto Body membership program. So many of you are familiar with Happy Keto Body. It's our 12-week video training program for women. I developed the program with Dr. Nina Lewis-Larsen because she has a bachelor's degree in biology and biomedical science. And then later she pursued a four-year doctorate graduating as a naturopathic doctor in both conventional and alternative family practices. She's one of the smartest humans I know. And so when we were eating dinner years ago, this would have been like 2015, we were just sitting and talking about like, wouldn't it be cool if we developed a program for women on keto that pulled them through 12 weeks of really how to listen to their body and attune to their own signals and signs that their body sends them and to educate them so they could be empowered with their own health. And we thought about it and brainstormed for a couple years and that became Happy Keto Body. And every couple of months, we refresh the content, look at everything and adjust things. And one of the benefits our Happy Keto Body VIPs receive are monthly coaching calls where our VIPs are able to submit their questions, blood work, literally anything. And Dr. Nina will go through things and answer questions. So we record the calls and share them with our members. And we thought it would be nice to share a call with you. Now, all the calls are really jam packed. So it was really, really challenging to pick one. But I just close my eyes, hope for the best, because all of them are just so good. Now, Dr. Nina's primary focus is to use diet and lifestyle to prevent and heal disease, working to answer the why behind a condition, not just label it and then send the patient home with a prescription. While she's not afraid to use a drug when needed, Dr. Nina finds that the practice of integrated medicine often leads to not needing to use medication. Dr. Nina has worked with a diverse range of women managing a general family practice with a focus on using the ketogenic diet to heal gastrointestinal imbalances support individuals with cancer, balance hormones, and achieve weight loss. She's brilliant. You're definitely going to pick this up in today's episode. If you are curious about Happy Keto Body, we are always happy to invite new members into our group. You can head on over to happyketobody.com to find out more. There are a bunch of different membership levels depending on what you're interested in and how long you want to commit to your body and to your healing journey. And again, that's happyketobody.com. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Okay, hope hope everybody's doing good. Welcome to the new ladies that joined us for the new year. Welcome to those that have been here for a while. Uh, always good to get a chance to to get together, be it you know online and all over the world. But uh, but always nice to have a group of women come together and just support each other. I think it's it's certainly a uh, a huge benefit and something we're lacking a little bit in society these days. All these cool women groups that I think. Uh, you know, some indigenous tribes in other parts of the world have, but we're kind of losing it as technology takes over. So uh, one of these awesome parts of Happy Keto that we uh, get to be together a little bit and support one another. So, Okay, so just some housekeeping items. Everyone is muted, and we've just done this to keep the call running smoothly. I'm going to, as usual, be answering the calls that were submitted through the VIP coaching call section of the Happy Keto Body account. 
So if you're wondering how to get your questions answered, just go to the VIP coaching call section of your Happy Keto Body account and submit it there. Uh, Certainly tonight, if I have some time, I will leave some room at the end and uh, people can post questions in the coaching calls channel uh, if, uh, if we've got some time there. Yeah, also on the coaching calls channel, if I cut out or you want me to repeat anything or uh, you know, state anything again, please just put a little note there. I'm watching, and so I can respond. And we'll be recording this call, so we should be able to get it up in the VIP coaching call section of your account uh, very soon. So, okay, let's get started. First question tonight is from Kylie. So Kylie is 42, and her question is in regards to binge eating. So she says she's been keto since 2017 and lost 60 kilograms, struggling with binge eating for almost a year now, significantly worse for the past six months, and basically had given up keto and gained 25 kilograms back. She's just feeling like she needs a reset for her body, mind, and soul. She says, I have tools I need to get where I want, but could do with some extra support. Okay. Also made a comment here about having a a little one, a three-year-old as well around. So, okay. So, you know, we've we've crossed this before, but I think it's wonderful to, to revisit it because there's so many aspects when it comes to food and emotions and, and binge eating is often more about healing and emotions and making sure we are getting what we need as a woman and an individual and a human uh, beyond just food. Um, So, you know, often binge eating is not, has really not much at all to do with food and everything to do with those, those other aspects of your life. So there's lots of things to look at when you're finding, you know, food is a, a little bit of of your challenge in, in a bit of an addictive way or in a go-to way where you just feel like you're out of control and you're going to that. Sometimes there's other things going on too which are more physiologic and I'll talk about that as well. But let's start with, you know, just the, the mindset. And so, you know, there's lots of things we can do. Steph Doidier, so D-O-D-I-E-R, she is has a lot of wonderful practical tools that really work through the mind body and emotional connection with eating disorders, binge eating. So, um, you know, I by no means am an expert in eating disorders. That's certainly something I typically refer out for. But, you know, there there are some things to, to think about as far as what we can do to support this process. So first, let me say, you know, having a little one, I don't know, it sounds like you kind of got off track the past maybe year or two. You've got a three-year-old. I don't know if that plays into it. Uh, you know, being a mom, for those that are, like, it is an all-consuming, tirelessly, you know, not thankful <laughs> kind of do- job at many times. It's wonderful and a blessing, but, you know, you have to put yourself on the back burner. And so sometimes when we feel out of control that we've kind of maybe lost sight of who we are because we have to give everything to this little being, sometimes that can be a trigger for some women. So I encourage women, if that in fact is a trigger, to just make sure they're taking a little piece back for themselves. And so sometimes that just means setting little time away. Um, So my husband and I, for example, we take a night off a week. So I pick a night and he picks a night. It's the same night every week. And those are our nights. And we don't we just do whatever we want, I mean, within reason, of course, but we go to the gym or we go meditate or we, if we want to stay late work, we do that. So we have that night where we're not responsible to come home and take care of kids and take care of dinner and clean the house and all the things that come with you know modern society and relationships and being a woman and all of that. So that might be a piece of this too is can you t- start taking these moments? And maybe it's not a night if that feels too much. Maybe it's a you know, Saturday from 10 to 11.30, you go do a yoga class or a walk, um, just something so you can start saying, this is my time and no excuses. You just you just make it as important as, as an appointment or going to work. So that's one thing I would say. The other thing is getting getting back into some sort of meditation, journaling, therapy, you know, try to figure out what the triggers are. Uh, you know, the 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 control piece is not necessarily food. It's, it might be something else. So if you can figure out what those triggers are, then, you know, that's 
step one and write about it, talk about it. You guys, I think, that have heard me speak before know that I love EMDR. So if you have access to that where you are, I think you're international, Kylie, but if you do have access to that, it's a wonderful technique. If there's a past trauma or a trigger that's kind of uh, maybe initiating some of this behavior, it really helps rebalance the brain and so that we're not triggered as easily. So, so that's step one. The other two is try and figure out what situations trigger the binge eating. Is it certain events? Is it certain people? Is it certain emotions, certain thoughts? Right? Try and really start breaking down the details when those moments happen where you are binging. What, where are you at at that time? What time of day? Who's around? Who's not around? Are you exhausted? You know, are you feeling a need somewhere? And, and try and figure out those triggers so then you can try and avoid those. So that's, that's one thing. Um, I mentioned sort of the physiologic piece. You know, we tend to binge eat when we're tired, which of course goes along with having small children, um, as well as when our blood sugar is imbalanced. So it's that vicious cycle of, you know, we come off of keto, we start adding in more sugars, then we start binge eating, and then our blood sugar gets imbalanced, then we binge eat more. So, you know, really taking, really it's three solid days to cut that sugar addiction. So if you can just kind of dig in and try and get yourself through that, balancing your blood sugar is a huge step in that process. And I always tell women step one is just get breakfast sorted. Because if you start your day in balance, it is very hard to overcome that. So step one is get up and just eat an avocado, right? Or just have some olives or some plain yogurt with some nuts, right? Just have your classic good keto breakfast. Try and start your blood sugar off in, in a really good way. So that's what I would say there. There's, there's lots of tricks and, and tools of the self-care, self-love, uh, compassion, you know, all of those things of, of little tricks we can do, uh, mantras we can say. The, a book that I love is called The Happiness Equation. And if you ladies haven't read it, it's a wonderful one. It's, it's very practical and really brings together all the research around the world about what makes people happy and very small things that we can all do every day that do not take a lot of time that have been clinically and scientifically proven to enhance our happiness. So uh, those are some, uh, you know, a book you can read, The Happiness Equation, if you feel like you need just a little bit more tools as well. Something we talk about when a person is in a binge, can they pull themselves out of it? And so, uh, yeah, it's possible once we start realizing what's going on and being becoming very aware. So as soon as you're kind of in that process, take all the distractions away if you can. So turn off the music, turn off the TV, try and just get quiet and sit with yourself and really try and feel what you're feeling. Are you anxious? Are you nervous? Are you sad? Are you angry? Like what? What is that emotion kind of riding through you? And just identify it. So there's an old therapy technique from the 1970s, and, and this, this comment, uh, a very short note, is they say, name it to tame it. And so this therapist, who's, who's pretty well-renowned, essentially said the second we can acknowledge what emotion we're in, that is a huge step forward to being able to manage that emotion. So, and this is not just about binging. This is, this is for all of us. Like when we get into that place that we feel like we're losing control or we're getting irritated or agitated or angry or upset or whatever it is, stopping, breathing, and just saying, I'm upset now. I'm sad now. I'm hurt now. Um, I'm happy now. I'm joyous now, right? It doesn't all have to be the, the hard emotions, but just acknowledging that emotion because that for the brain starts connecting the feelings, right? The, the behaviors that happen. So, um, so that's my first comment there is, is sit, stop, get quiet and try and name where you're at. And then breathing, right? There's lots of breathing techniques out there. You can do the four in, eight out. You can plug one nostril, breathe in through your left, and then close your right nostril, breathe out through your right. Um, you know, lots of different ways to do it there. Uh, there's also verbiage, and this, this is true for all of us. Like, how can we choose to express what we're doing instead of saying, I can't have, uh, you know, this chocolate bar or this rice, uh, you can say, you know, I choose not to have this food because when I do, I feel uh, tired or sad or 
uh, hungry an hour later, right? You can say all these things. So a lot of it is in the verbiage we use. A brain is a beautiful tool. And so sometimes when we just start talking to it and, and don't let it have, uh, you know, these connotations, then it will rewire and rechange how it's processing. So that was my long-winded way of saying, uh, you know, the very basics of, of the self-care, uh, you know, but definitely get more help. That's the other thing, too. You know, we women often take on so much, and we don't ask for help because we're busy taking care of everybody else. And so, you know, a part of it, too, is learning maybe to say no to uh, carving out that time for yourself. And then if you feel like you need to work with a, a therapist or a nutritionist who's well-versed in eating disorders and binge eating, uh, that's, I think, a huge, huge ally for you. So good luck. Please, please, please keep us posted if you need anything along the way. You know what I love more than anything in the entire world is helping people. And when I meet a complete stranger and they're telling me about symptoms that they're having or symptoms that their dog is having or their loved one, Oftentimes, the first thing that comes into my head is, you should try CBD oil. And I'm, in fact, sitting in my car right now. I just drove an hour and a half to a friend's place to drop off a bottle of Eaton Hemp CBD oil. Their dog's having a really difficult time with an inflammatory condition. Nobody knows what it is. And I just thought, again, you need to try CBD oil. Now, CBD oil has massively reduced my symptoms of anxiety, but CBD oil does so much more including inflammation reduction, improving digestive function, improving sleep quality, reduces acne. But here's what you have to know before you grab a random bottle and start supplementing. Research, research, research your options thoroughly look for a CBD oil that uses hemp seed oil as the carrier oil. Now the hemp seed oil means that the plant has been kept in its purest whole plant form, allowing for the terpenes and cannabinoids to work together in unison in your body to give you the powerful entourage effect that everyone is always raving about when it comes to CBD. Among high-quality CBD options, Eaton Hemp's unfiltered full-spectrum CBD oil is an all-organic choice. Again, all organic choice. They're one of the first unfiltered CBD products to be USDA certified organic. This guarantees what you see is what you get. No toxins, no pesticides, no label trickery. Eaton Hemp uses hemp seed oil as a carrier for CBD, giving you the full entourage effect, maximum absorption, potency, effectiveness, terpenes, cannabinoids, aka results, which is all good things. And if you're like supplementing, how do I even do this? Now, I personally take a dropper full a day with my dogs up until both our dogs passed away. Lexi was supplementing with 15 milligrams. She's a 60 pound dog and Pebbles, who is a 10 pound dog, did a dropper to a day. Now with our dog Coconut, who's developed a little bit of inflammation, I've started giving her 10 milligrams a day and she's an 80 pound dog. I personally couldn't even imagine my life without CBD. It extended Lexi's life by three years, giving us so much more time to spend together when vet said it wasn't even possible. I cannot tell you how powerful a supplement this has been for me and my family. Now, I chatted with my friends over at Eaton Hemp and they put together a sweet deal for you. If you go to eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet, again, that's Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, hemp, cbd.com slash keto diet and use a coupon code keto diet you're going to get 20% off all Eaton hemp cbd products that includes the salves and all the crazy things you can get into when it comes to cbd that's 20% off with the code keto diet at eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet okay Next question is from Amy. Amy's 44, and this question's a little tricky. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to kind of give you what I can say about it. But the question says, how do I narrow down a current supplement protocol for hormone balance and optimal mineral absorption, particularly iron? I am dealing with estrogen dominance, adrenal HPA issues, and gut absorption issues. I am wanting to simplify what I'm taking, either take stuff out or get some items in combined products. 
Uh, totally hear you, Amy. I know that it's a challenge for a lot of us. Uh, you know, how many pills are we swallowing? Or for me, how many pills am I prescribing? And it can be burdensome and overwhelming to take handfuls of pills uh, day in and day out and sometimes often multiple times a day. Yeah, so I, I definitely hear you. I, I struggle with this question a bit because I don't know your medical story. So I, you know, I can't tell you what would be appropriate to stop or pare down. My best advice would be to talk to your prescribing practitioner. So who's ever giving you all of these supplements, just be honest with them. Just bring all the bottles in in a bag put them on that practitioner's desk or physician's desk and just say, look, I'm here with you. I'm on board. I want to do this, but this is just overwhelming. Is there any way we can find a way to pare this down or pick our top three for a while? Um, Sometimes I'll do that too. If a patient just feels so overwhelmed, I'll just say, hey, look, let's just pick something that we want to focus on right now. So for example, I can say with you, you know, you're looking at iron issues and estrogen dominance. I'm assuming there's some heavy periods there causing iron deficiency. So for me, that'd be a priority for you. It's like fix the estrogen dominance, slow down the menstrual periods, then I can get you off an iron. Okay, there's one less pill. Uh, hormone supplements, typically I only have women on for three months, so those should not be long-term uh, for me anyway. Adrenal can be long depending on how long the dysfunction has been. Uh, going on. It uh, can be anywhere from six months to three or four or five years. So those ones tend to be longer. GI gut stuff for adults tends to be about a year of supplementation. So, um, you know, maybe we just need to pick our, our battles here where we want to focus. Oh yeah, it does actually say heavy cycles here. Sorry, I missed that part. So yeah, so that's, that's priority, right? We got to get hormones balanced especially at 44, right? We want to start doing that before any perimenopausal changes. So that's one. Um, the second piece is combination products for sure. There's lots of combo products out there. There's not going to be one that cover like all of the issues, like hormone balance, adrenal HPA, and GI likely all in a product. But there's products that are very diverse in their hormones. Maybe you only need one bottle versus two or three, and same thing with gut and things like that. Also, sometimes I do with patients, I will recommend protein powders that are very nutrient-dense, and so that way I can take away the basics, like the basic multivitamins, multiminerals, anti-inflammatory supports. I'll just do that in a morning protein shake, and that can be really helpful as well. You know, some nutrients and vitamins just are not palatable, and so, you know, they really have to be taken in a capsule, but... Uh, a lot of them do come in powders and liquids, and so that's something to ask your practitioner as well is do they have options for you that you can just dump into a smoothie twice a day, and maybe that's an easier thing than swallowing down all the pills. So good luck with that, Amy. If I can help at all, let me know. Uh, just a little tricky for me to say specifics just given that I don't know uh, the specifics of your, of your health and your case, but um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Uh, This next question is also from Amy, and she says, how can we detox on keto from heavy metal toxicity, especially from past cadmium exposure? She said she had a heavy metal test that showed high cadmium and some other heavy metals. Okay, so absolutely possible to detox and chelate while on keto, Uh, The only thing I would say is you don't want to be fasting when you're pushing uh, an intense detox protocol. Like if you're going to do IV chelation, for example, you wouldn't want to go in fasting. That would be my only comment. But as far as being on keto, that's not a problem at all. And it's probably advantageous, honestly, to just streamline detox. So cadmium is real fussy. Cadmium uh, mostly comes from smoking, but you also get it from shellfish. Uh, cadmium is brutal on the kidneys, just brutal. So if you do have it there, I highly recommend you do get it out. Cadmium, the only great way to get it out is through calcium EDTA. And it's an intravenous chelation drug. Unfortunately, many companies have tried to make it oral, and I have yet to see any data 
saying that oral is beneficial at all. The absorption capabilities are very poor, even like the liposomes, the lipospherics, EDTA. I have just not seen it be that helpful. So my best advice is to try and find a practitioner that can do calcium EDTA IV drips and try and get the cadmium out that way. If that's just not possible for you, I mean, we can try other ways. It's just it's tricky. Certainly, Leanne and I both like the Juve Light as a sauna-type uh, detox support. So you could pick up, or pick up, I mean, you'd have to order something like that. Not inexpensive, but once you own it, you own it. And in this day and age, with all toxicity, it's probably not a bad thing to have. Uh, if you want to use sort of Food, I mean, I think you can chelate. The, you know, the research says very minimally with food, so things like chlorella and cilantro and artichokes. Uh, yeah, I think you will get some movement. It depends on how high your cadmium is. If it's barely over normal, then you can probably go that way. If it's significantly high, you're probably not going to be able to, to manage it with uh, food alone, unfortunately. Uh, if you can't get a hold of IVs and you want to try a supplement, one thing I have used with a couple patients with success is a Metagenics product called MetClear, and it's worked fairly well for me in the past without having to do you know, more invasive intravenous therapies for those that couldn't or didn't want to go that route. So, so yeah, if, if you know it's there, I'd say treat it. I don't like cadmium. It, uh, like I said, kidneys just don't like it. So if you can get it out, definitely get it out. Okay. Um, this next question is um, Guilia, and I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, she's 33, and her question's about elevated LDL. She says, I've been on keto for close to three years, previously normal lipid profile. LDL continues to elevate, and HDL is low. HDL is 38, and LDL is 291. My father has had high cholesterol since his 20s. Is there anything I can do to remain keto or is this lifestyle no longer appropriate for me? And also any supplement suggestions. Okay, so uh, LDL, yeah. So this is, this is a tricky one uh, for some individuals. So I asked some PhDs that I work with to run the numbers and 10% of the population will have a rise in LDL to coconut and coconut-based products. So that's the number one thing I would say is if you're doing coconut oil, uh, you know, MCT I'm not so sure about yet. There's not enough data on it. I would say it's likely in the same category because it is a coconut oil extract, but I don't particularly know that for sure. But if this was me, and my LDL just kept going up and up and up, I think you have to change something. I mean, LDL is, of course, only one factor of, of many, but it's still a factor for cardiovascular disease. So uh, first and foremost is get coconut out. Saturated fats in general may, uh, or sorry, I should say animal-based saturated fats in general may raise LDL as well. So you may want to back off on the animal-based fats and move more towards the monounsaturated um, plant-based fats. The next thing that can happen with keto is sometimes we don't get in enough fiber. So we should all be getting 30 grams of fiber, maybe 40 grams of fiber a day. That is hard with keto. So when fiber is lacking, cholesterol gets reabsorbed into the body. So um, cholesterol is what they called enterohepatically recycled. And what that means is that any extra cholesterol that the body doesn't need at that moment, it dumps it into the gut. But cholesterol is so important for life. Like we literally, we can't survive without cholesterol. If it's floating around in the gut and it doesn't bind to anything, it'll move down the small intestine and then it'll get reabsorbed, which is great if you need it, but not great, obviously, if there's too much. So on keto, because fiber can, can lack a little bit, sometimes there's not enough for cholesterol to bind to in the gut and so it gets reabsorbed and levels go up. So an easy thing to do and a well clinically proven thing to do is psyllium husk. So um, you can take several thousand milligrams a day of powdered psyllium husk in a glass of water, two, three, even 4,000 to bowel tolerance, and just take a big glass of it. You have to have lots of water. You can do it twice a day if you want or once a day um, for a total dose of around three, 4,000 milligrams. 
And psyllium alone, actually, in the research, it goes head-to-head to to a lot of pills and other supplements. So um, that is an uh, absolute starting place, I would say, for you. So I would cut the coconut. I would be cautious with fats from animals. And I would add in a whole bunch of psyllium and then try and really increase your fiber through dietary means as well. There's lots of supplements that will drop LDL, but I would start with those before I started moving to supplements. So maybe what I'd suggest is start with that, give it three months, retest your cholesterol. If your levels have not changed, then let's talk about what we need to do more and um, you know how else we can tweak it. But I have found almost all the time that uh, can is the answer for, for most women whose LDL goes up. So yeah, start there. Let us know. Uh, I wouldn't, like I said, I, w- I don't think I would start any other supplements at this point. Of course, exercise, you know, that's going to help as well. I didn't say that, but uh, something else to, to throw in there that will help clear out some LDL. LDL is tricky because not all LDL is created equal either, right? So we have the dense, fluffy LDL that doesn't really cause a problem. And then we have this really tightly bound LDL. It's called oxidized LDL. It's been hit with free radicals and it turns into those little dense particles. And those are the guys we don't love because they will shove themselves in the artery walls. So, um, you know, that's the other thing is you could, if I would do these suggestions first, give it three months test. And then if your numbers are still high, you can run a expanded panel. So a company, I mean, there's lots out there. Cleveland Heart Labs does it. SpectraCell does it. Um, there's lots where you can, you know, for 150 bucks or so, run a panel to see what are all your cardiovascular markers looking like and how does this LDL break down. So, you know, is it mostly the fluffy, not worrisome kind or is it the scarier, uh, dense kind? So. Okay, I hope that helps keep us posted there. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay, next question is from Bonnie. Bonnie is 60 and she says, I would like to know how to deal with fatty liver. I think that I may have it due to having a big abdomen. I tried keto for two years and have been unable to get into ketosis, even when I'm doing the program exactly. Okay, so let me address the unable to get into ketosis part first, and then I'll talk about fatty liver. So, Bonnie, I would really kind of look at that first to see what is going on. Why is your body not producing or getting into ketosis? Because we're all capable of do it, doing it, right? And even when the person's not doing ketogenic diet, you'll do it a little bit every single night that you sleep. So what's going on in your eating that is kicking you out? And so typically, the, the more there's lots of reasons, but um, the most common are just uh, too much protein. That will do it. Um, not enough fat can do it. Uh, not exercising enough, that can do it. Sympathetic overdrive, so stress, right? If, if you live a very stressful life, uh, for some individuals, they can eat perfectly and they will not get into ketosis. They just won't. So I would look at that. What's your sleep like? That's sort of included in the stress. Um, how, are your, how are your hormones? How are your, how's your thyroid doing? Uh, you know, that would be something to look at. Um, oh, sorry, there's a comment here from her. It says menopause, low thyroid, history of Graves' disease, fatigue, and obesity. Okay, so we got to get thyroid fixed. You know, the history of Graves tells me that Graves, so Graves' disease is an autoimmune disease um, that's hyperthyroid, so it moves uh, into a, a, a high thyroid state. And then often it's actually self-limiting. Um, and so it'll either balance out and then sometimes you'll see it go low in the future. But it tells me that, you know, either you're more autoimmune or, you know, sometimes with Graves you just have an infection that triggers the immune system. But with autoimmune conditions, I always think about toxicity and I always think about food sensitivities. So could it be possible, too, that you couldn't get in ketosis? Maybe you're someone who can't do dairy or can't do eggs. So I would play with that a little bit, especially if you have digestive concerns as well, um, because with autoimmune disease and fatigue and trouble losing weight, I always think about what are we putting in the gut that's slowing it down. So 
I would definitely look at that. So maybe cut for three weeks, cut dairy, see how you feel. Then take another three weeks or do it at the same time, cut eggs, see how you feel. Um, those are things to play with a little bit. Also, what are your nutrient supports? Um, a lot of us are running on fumes, and food, unfortunately, these days is just not as nutrient-dense as it used to be. So make sure you've got enough. How's your B12? Right? If somebody checks that level for you, what's your vitamin D? Um, you know, these things that, that we can certainly check and um, or just take fairly safely and get your nutrient status up because if you're a bit depleted, then it will be hard uh, to run in ketosis as well. So those would be things that, that I would think about as to, to what's going on. Remember to menopausally that often we can't have as many calories every day and often we need more fasting. So that's something else too is can you add in a 14, 16, 18 hour fast and get into ketosis? And I would play with that a little bit. I do have several women I work with who really can't get into ketosis unless they do the longer fast. So it can be tricky, but um, I would not give up. Keep playing with it. There's an answer there for sure. It's just finding what's right for your body there, Bonnie. Okay. So as far as fatty liver disease, this is really common. Uh, about 25, 30% of the population has fatty liver, which is pretty crazy. Um, fatty liver essentially occurs when uh, fat kind of infiltrates into the liver. Typically, we diagnose it when there's more than about 10% fat in the liver. We diagnose it based on ultrasound. And the problem with fatty liver is that a percentage of individuals with fatty liver will go on to have cirrhosis. And cirrhosis, of course, is a, a very dangerous and can be deadly situation. So that is not the majority, that is the minority, but either way, Fatty liver makes it very hard for your liver to detoxify appropriately, to do what it needs to do. And uh, in my opinion, the number one organ in our body is the liver. And I actually asked a friend of mine who's a cardiologist about that, and he totally agreed. He didn't even say the heart. I thought he would. But um, without an adequate liver, again, especially in this day and age, and we are all exposed to so many toxins and chemicals and pesticides and herbicides and plasticizers and all these things, uh, we need a good liver. So I think it's great you're asking this question. What else can you do? I mean, number one is uh, get it, try and get into ketosis. So that's number one. If we can get, the, get some body weight off, get a body into a ketogenic state, get the, the free fatty acids from sugar to stop forming, then that's great. Fruit is definitely a culprit for some people because it very easily turns into triglycerides, which can sit in the liver. So I would really, really limit that. If you're doing carb ups, I would do very limit, limited fruit. Uh, fasting is wonderful. So definitely, I already mentioned it with trying to get you into ketosis anyway, but I would really say double bonus here for for fatty liver. So uh, that's the way to go. Um, as far as protection, how do we keep the liver from becoming fibrotic or cirrhotic, uh, antioxidants. So that's the best thing you can do while you're working on your journey with keto to try and do all these other things, but to protect yourself. So in food sources, that's curcumin, so that's turmeric. You can make curries with it, very keto-friendly, like a beautiful curry with lots of vegetables and um, either some cauliflower rice or skip the rice altogether. Uh, you can drink green tea. That can be very helpful for the liver. Uh, artichokes. Ladies, if you want like an amazing food for the liver, artichokes, which are, of course are keto-friendly. Um, I buy the whole artichokes, just chop off the bottom of the stem, just put them in a bit of water and steam them for about 45 minutes. They're lovely. You can dip them in cream cheese or olive oil. You just eat the bottom part. Um, or if you want to just buy artichoke hearts, that's, that's cool too. Um, but the liver loves artichokes, so I try and incorporate it for my family at least once a week and everything everybody's eating. Um, I even send my kid to school with artichokes, and so I, I'm a huge believer. Uh, dandelion's another good one, so um, dandelion tea you can drink. Dandelion greens are great. Like We're not, we're still... Mm, yeah, I'm staring at the snow. Definitely still thick of winter here, <laughs> at least where I am. But it's going to be spring here soon, and we will see those little uh, pesky dandelions come out. And the greens, so especially the baby greens of the new shoots, 
those are wonderful for the liver. So obviously if it has not been sprayed, don't like spray and then eat it, of course. But if there, if you have a property where dandelions grow and you just take the little green leaves, add it into your salad, it is super bitter. So be careful how much you're adding, but a wonderful way to really enhance detoxification, support the liver. Uh, I worked with a gastroenterologist and she really felt that this was like Mother Nature's beautiful way of offering us support after the long winter where we tend to, you know, not move as much, not eat as well, eat heavier foods. Uh, she really believed that dandelions were like the perfect solution to spring and clearing out and healing the body. So kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think nature's pretty dang perfect, so she's probably right in that. So those are things there. If you want supplements to take for liver support, you know, your classic milk thistle uh, is always a good one. Milk thistle is kind of a magic little nutrient, little herb. Now it's a feisty little plant, though. If you've ever grown it, it's very prickly. Um, but as a supplement, it's very easy to take 500 milligrams twice a day. And the other ones I would suggest would be selenium at 200 micrograms per day and alpha lipoic acid at 300 milligrams twice per day. And then either NAC or glutathione on and off, like a month on, a month off, that can be really helpful too, just to, again, help detox, help support the liver. So, so that's what I would say. So, um, Bonnie, please reach out. If, you're, if you try it again and you just, you're not getting into ketosis, like keep reaching out. That's what this forum is for. That's what the coaching calls are for. Let's, let's keep figuring it out. So maybe try those changes. Uh, get someone to support your thyroid, whatever you need to do there. Get that better. Get in some B vitamins. Get in maybe, you know, some of these other foods or supplements and just kind of get moving and hopefully... Uh, and fasting. I think that'd be a great thing likely for you. Um, Hopefully that'll get things healing up. Next question is from Veronica. She's 45 and she says, I fell off the keto wagon last August after my mom passed away, but I'm afraid to start it up again as last time I did, I had gallbladder and pancreatic pain that scared me and took about three weeks to clear up. I know to take digestive enzymes and ox bile, but I'm tired of taking supplements and afraid of the pain. Any tips to get over this mental block? Okay, tough stuff. Sorry to hear about your, Veron- your mom, Veronica. That's, that's never easy, right? Losing a parent and uh, watching parents age is, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough chapter we all have to go through. And, um, you know, it, it certainly challenges where we're at in life and often we have to kind of let go and just focus on what we're going through and then come back to it. So, uh, you know, good for you for deciding, you know, it's time to kind of focus on you again. I hear you about the fear. Um, Certainly some people when they start keto, just like you, have pretty nasty reactions to not managing the fat well. So, it is a little bit tricky. One, I would say my best, probably best advice would be just maybe start very slowly this time. So maybe off a month or two months to just step-by-step step move closer and closer to ketosis so that you're not going from, you know, kind of where you're at now, if that's a standard American diet, to bam, you know, like just taking everything away, full fats at the keto level, you know, 150 grams a day or wherever you're at, that can be pretty intense. So I would try to maybe go slowly over a month or two and just start cutting your carbs as you slowly go up on your fats. And so that can often be a good way. So just first maybe cut the sugars out and then move to cutting the carbs out and then get the fats up slowly, slowly, slowly until so your body has time to respond. I don't know if you've had your gallbladder out. It doesn't say here, but... Certainly, if you've had your gallbladder removed, you just can't store as much bile. And so you don't have the reserves on hand. When we go from a low-fat diet to a high-fat diet, sometimes the body just can't compensate. So giving it some time to learn, you're kind of warning the body like, hey, I'm doing this, I'm having a little bit more, I'm having a little bit more. The body's going to figure it out and it's going to slowly start making more bile. The body is brilliant. So if we just give it some warning sometimes, that can alleviate a lot of these symptoms. Some people just do need ox bile and digestive enzymes when they get started. And I know it's frustrating to take pills. You know, hopefully if you go slow, that won't be you. But uh, I, do, I don't know. Some people just have to. 
So I would just say that maybe you're that one. I don't know. Fasting sometimes can help. So adding that as part of your routine and going longer and longer, again, starting slow, 12 hours and 13 and 14, because that in itself puts you in ketosis, right? So your body just starts learning to deal with it. So that's something to add in. And then the other thought, and I don't know, I've honestly seen zero research on this, but you could maybe consider trying adding in some exogenous ketones just for like the first month. Uh, And then that way your body, again, kind of gets used to thinking in a ketosis way and in that managing fatty acids a little bit more. So those would be my suggestions. Uh, Again, reach out if you you need anything or it's not working. Good luck. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice. Free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to high-quality protein sources less expensive and more available to all. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher-quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox since 2017 and love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it. Their ground sausage is a dream. It's my personal favorite. Head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to build a bundle that fits you and your family and start eating high quality meat without all the hassle of searching high and low for the good stuff. Okay, next question is from Dana. Uh, Dana is 49 and she says, I'm interested in learning more about keto cycling how and when to decide to cycle in and out. Yeah, so a couple of things. So let me just say that as far as keto cycling, like I I wasn't quite sure, Dana, and I don't know if you're on, if you can answer, but if you were meaning coming off of keto entirely for a while or if you were just meaning using carb, like carbing up um, and staying generally in keto. So... Let me talk about that first, and then we'll talk about coming off keto completely. So, you know, as far as carving up, I think it is an important way to make keto sustainable, and then maybe that alleviates the need to, you know, completely move away from keto for days or weeks or months at a time. Um, You know, most people I find if they maintain too strict for too long, they do end up deciding they need to just completely step away. And so I try and encourage people to at least stick with the basics um, and but then maybe move in and out of a of a stricter a stricter keto from time to time. So a lot of people, you know, as far as how do we know when to to add in carbs or as far as carbing up goes, like really if you're super healthy, you can be on a pretty classic keto. For, for quite some time. And as long as you're doing it right, we shouldn't cause any harm. Though, again, there's not a lot of long-term studies. Uh, we do know if you're doing it too restrictive, you can damage your thyroid. So we know that. Um, but, there, it, you know, it has to be done fairly strict, not enough calories, exercising too hard, um, you know, for that to happen. But it is, it is possible. So is there a good timeline? I mean, I, I've got patients who they've been on classic keto for a year and a half and they're athletes and they feel great and they're super happy and they just don't ever want to go off of it and their partners are on it and it works for their lifestyle and that's fine. Uh, I've got other uh, patients I work with that, uh, you know, for certain times of the year, they just feel like they need to take a break. Maybe they're going on a holiday. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, Christmas time or an event uh, that they want to have a little bit more room. And so I think that Again, a lot of this is opinion. There's just not a lot of research saying, hey, you know, keto is good for three or four months and then you should take a break for a month and then another three or four months. I hope that research is coming because I think that would be really beneficial because, of course, classically, if we look at our human ancestors, you would never be in ketosis all the time, right? You would through times of of famine and then you would then be able to to eat again or if you, you know, in in other cultures, you know, you would be grazing on minimal and then you would catch a big, you know, do a buffalo hunt or something like that and then you would have a lot of food for for a while, you know, a few weeks. 
to maybe a month, and then you would go back to minimal food again for quite some time. So classically, we've always kind of moved, I think, as humans in and out of, of ketosis. And so if we're trying to mimic where humans, you know, have been, then, yeah, we kind of want to do this. So the question is, do we need to come off keto entirely or can we kind of do this with carving up? And I don't know that the answer is really clear. So I'm a big fan of you know, taking a day, once you're stable, once you're feeling good, once you've reached your goals, you know, take a day or two a week and just take a little breather. Take a little breather. Go out, maybe have that, you know, richer, carbier meal uh, with friends for dinner or partner for dinner. Or um, if you do have a glass of wine, you know, maybe you do that every once in a while or um, go have to a movies and have some popcorn, right? I, I do think that that food is still a wonderful human experience and not that keto is not, it is. Uh, but sometimes it's just nice to have a little bit of break from that. So that can sort of be you know, how, a way to just kind of move in and out of it. I, I really recommend that when you're starting keto, you get really comfortable in keto first. So that's generally one to three months for most people before you start pulling yourself out of ketosis, uh, just because it gets easier and easier to kind of come in and out the, the more you're used to it. But keep in mind, I mean, keto is really less about a diet, in my opinion, and more about a lifestyle of healthy eating. And so, I think even if you're not in ketosis, but, you know, you're eating a beautiful salad or stew uh, or an omelet for breakfast and and maybe not hitting your fat macros, you're still in a healthy state. And that's still wonderful. And that's our goal here. You know, it's not about being defined in this keto basket all the time necessarily as much as keeping the junk out most of the time, right? So... Um, yeah, a little, little tricky on the, on the details there, but, uh, I would just say, you know, a lot of people end up doing carb ups a few times a week. That's kind of what I hear is where people stabilize out after being on keto for a few months. And then they're like, Hey, how do I make this sustainable? Um, a lot of people that I work with, they're kind of three to, I'd say three to five days a week of carving up at night and then pretty clean eating, uh, during the day. And then maybe a day, maybe two off. And again, it depends on are you generally pretty healthy, then you've got more wiggle room. Are you dealing with a brain cancer, then you have zero wiggle room, right? So it also kind of depends on your health as well. Um, My cancer patients, I allow a little wiggle room, but not not a lot, not a lot because we're dealing with a deadly disease. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a different story. But if you're generally healthy, then, yeah, I think you can cycle. I just, I don't know yet. And it's a great question because, I do hope that there's more data to say how long should we be doing this in an intense place and then how long should we take take a break. And, you know, there's some uh, opinions out there that, you know, keto should be done in the winter and then in the summertime we should take a break and we should be enjoying more fruits and fresh, fresh vegetables and those foods that naturally occur in a higher quantity at that time of year. And if we follow the sort of cycle of what nature is providing us, that that in itself is hugely advantageous. So I uh, have definitely known some docs to say we just simply shouldn't be having fruit in the winter, period, like at all. Like nobody should be eating fruit for like four months straight, which is crazy to think about because we're not trained to think that way, but a very interesting comment because uh, really historically, I mean, obviously some cultures have always had access to fruit year-round, but um, not a lot, not the majority. So, you know, there's probably some genetics as a factor in there as to what your body wants to see. But, but yeah, uh, you know, kind of a great question, and I guess it's really all about what's sustaining for you. How do you make this a lifestyle of healthy eating that you don't want to, like, completely do it and then fall off the wagon for a while then do it? And life's going to happen. It's going to happen for all of us. But, um, you know, just kind of moving it into your principles of eating more than anything. All right, Dan, I hope that helped. If that was not what you were looking for, please uh, reach out again and I will uh, try and answer it better. (laughs) Okay, last question tonight is from Kate. And Kate is 64 and she says, I recently listened to Leanne's podcast about thyroid and would like to have my thyroid tested uh, with all the tests uh, her guest suggested, which is essentially a full thyroid panel of TSH, free T3, free T4, and thyroid antibodies. 
Uh, she said, I've just had my first experience with Everly Well and thought the service was, and feedback was super. Do you know if their thyroid test covers all relevant areas suggested in the podcast? And then she just says she's in general health. I uh, started keto after getting an A1C reading of prediabetes. She was in our, when we first launched Happy Keto two years ago, our first group there, did it for six months, got her A1C down, but then couldn't maintain it. Her current nudge to dive deeper is now that her A1C has really cranked up even higher than it was originally. So, shoot. Um, so, you know, that goes back to how do we make this sustainable and because, uh, yeah, that's a bit, it's, it's tough, right? On any eating change, uh, it, it is tough. So we have to think about more of a lifestyle shift and really incorporate it into who we are and not just something we're doing. So uh, as far as thyroid goes, and I apologize, I did not get a chance to listen to this uh, specific lecture. So generally, that's what, that's what these lectures are about essentially is looking at antibodies and free thyroid hormones, so free T3, free T4. Now, there's a lot of controversy out there about reverse T3. A lot of the functional medical doctors and even a lot of naturopathic doctors are trained that it's a valid marker. I have yet to see that uh, clinically, and we ran it here, and we ran it on actually thousands of patients, I would say, over the years, and we could not find any clinical relevance at all. So I am not personally a fan of reverse T3. I know that's absolutely debated out there in the integrative wellness space, but I've just been fortunate enough to be part of a big research clinic, and I just, I don't know, I haven't seen the benefit. Um, However, testing free T3 and free T4 are very beneficial. So most physicians don't test that if they're just of conventional training. And so, yeah, I looked at this Everly Well. There's lots of places to do it, direct labs or Everly Well if you want to order your own labs. And, yeah, dried spot kit for hormones is fine. So, so yeah, I think that would be an option if you want to take a peek and just confirm that thyroid is not a player here. The other thing I would say, kind of a same comment I mentioned earlier, where are your nutrient status, right? Why did your pancreas bounce so hard back uh, to, to being so insulin resistant unless you've, you know, really come back to a diet that's much higher glycemic, higher sugar, higher carb than ever before? But if not, then, you know, we want to look at nutrients, like what is your chromium level? So that's one thing that can go down. We can get depleted in chromium and magnesium, Um, Those are things that can make blood sugar imbalance more prevalent. And so, um, you know, are you taking vitamin D? Are you taking a multimineral complex? Those are things to think about as to maybe why things have gone so so sideways. The other thing I find is that the, the body tries to throw us signals. And I think that, you know, if you had done so well on keto before and you were feeling good and you did great and your A1C was coming down and then you kind of fell off, sometimes the body says, whoa, I'm going to send you an even bigger response so that you listen. I don't want to go back this way. I want to go back to doing what you're doing because that was working. You know, we know that uh, what they call AGEs, glycosylated end products from high blood sugar are uh, carcinogenic. They're inflammatory. There's lots of reasons to not have a high blood sugar. So I'm super glad you decided you want to try this again, Kate. I think it sounds like it, it worked, and so it'll likely work again. I don't see any reason not. I think it's, yeah, a good idea, you know, check your thyroid, see what's going on there, especially if you're having low thyroid symptoms, which, uh, again, uh, just to review, constipation, brain fog, hair loss, dry skin, weight gain, uh, those are probably the most common ones, I would say. Oh, the fatigue, sorry, main one there. You know, if those things are all present or some are present, then, yeah, take, take a peek and, and just make sure that that's not going on. How's your digestion, right? I would look at that, too, like what else could be aggravating pancreatic function and, and take a peek there. But it sounds like you're ready to get committed now and, and get walking. You know, it, we all, again become a little more insulin resistant as we age. So um, sometimes we just have to work a little bit harder to get, to get the same responses we did before. So 
Anyway, good luck. Keep us posted. I think, uh, you know, we're here for you, and I don't think that I know we're here for you. So please reach out if you need anything along the way. We've got an awesome, awesome group here, so hopefully we'll get you back on track and get those blood sugars balanced because it, it certainly is one of the greatest modifiable risk factors we can do for ourselves is balancing blood sugars. So. Okay, that is all the questions tonight. We're about out of time. If someone has, like, something really quick they want to comment, I'll just leave it open for a minute on the coaching calls channel and just see if anybody has anything they want to add or want to say. Or I don't see anybody writing, so I think I will bid everyone farewell. Thank you so much for being here with me, ladies. It's always, always a pleasure. So really appreciate you taking the time. Please continue to reach out if you need anything along the way. Leanne and I are absolutely here for you. And um, everybody take care. We'll talk to you again next month. Okay. Have a good night. Bye-bye. I was right, right? Dr. Nina's the best, right? Right? (laughs) So if you want more from Happy Keto Body and us together creating content for you and supporting you on your keto journey, you can go to happyketobody.com to learn more about the program. Okay, next up on the podcast, episode 262, I am answering all your questions in a Q&A. And then Sunday, August 9th, episode 263, Tori Borelli is taking over the show to talk about the life-changing keto habits to prevent disease. Can't wait to share these with you and I will see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.